0: everybody welcome back to your favorite podcast which is the pull up Trey podcast wherein my dear friend Trey he pulls up Trey in doing so you know how you doing man you have any funny driving stories that have happened recently
1: <laughs> um so recently for the for the weekend every year my family has a family reunion around this weekend uh this year I was in New York um and i was willing to and do not call me rich. I was willing to pay for my mother's <laughs> flight. <laughs> I was willing to pay for her flight to, to New York, but she wanted to drive as a family. I I think it's like eight, nine hours. I drove to New York. Um, right when I'm about to pull into um, our family's place, someone drives by and says, you piece of shit. And,
0: <laughs> wait, wait, okay, wait. Based on tone, do we have an ethnicity? <laughs> <laughs> um. It definitely, hmm, I'll say
1: it definitely looks like they watched The Godfather.
0: (laughs) Italian-American. Okay, noted. Uh, Also, this podcast isn't just for funny, you know, New York stories. It's for basketball insights, all that kind of stuff. For everybody who, I teased it last episode, I said, hey, we're going to talk about the Scoot Henderson possible Portland trades and stuff like that. We're actually going to table that. Uh, Eric Kareen wrote a piece at The Athletic where he suggested a trade. And then so here's the trade. So the Blazers get Pascal Siakam, the 13th pick. The Raptors get Nasir Little, the third pick, which would be Scoot, Brandon Miller, whoever. Portland's protected 2026 first round pick. Luke Kennard, Tyus Jones, and the Grizzlies receive Anthony Simons. So people have thoughts about that pick, obviously. Um, we'll get Trey's in a bit. But we're gonna talk about that situation, trading up and all that kind of stuff. Next week, Trey won't be here, but it'll be a for the people who listen to a lot of Raptors podcasts, the Raptors Reason to Bliss is Blake Murphy and Eric Kareen will be doing a a reunion show here uh, with me and we'll talk about all types of Toronto Raptor stuff. So, just putting that on the back pedal, but before we move on, do you like the trade that was proposed, Trey?
1: Um, I I'll, I'll keep it short just cuz I know you guys are talking about it next week. Um, if I were
0: to describe it in one word, um, poop would be the it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Noted. Also, something of interest that you know, it's, there's not always that much to talk about. Luckily, you and I have, you know, the ability to go watch and kind of digest college film, so that, you know, these in-between podcasts that are in like the, we're in flux for Raptors Land. We can actually go watch film and talk about prospects, which is what we're doing, Ethne Black, Casey Wallace in this podcast. But also topical news came up. Steve Nash, not only did he interview... For the Raptors' head coaching job, apparently he did quite well. I'm, uh, I'm curious where you stand on that. Um, I think Steve Nash would only make sense
1: as a rebuild hire. I would, I would say, just coming off of the sense that it appears that the Raptors have always kind of viewed Scotty as a guard, and what better person to view that way? than Steve, and Steve Nash to help develop that from a sense. You've already seen him with a win now sort of team. And it didn't really work out. It seemed it's it seemed like the the, the players didn't respond to him the necessary way. I and mean, they they were even willing to go and bite the Emi Udoka slander in trying to hire someone. So So I'm I'm not personally a fan. I think just the overall process kind of shows that they're indecisive on where they want to go and they're turning all all stones literally. So I'm I'm me personally I'm gonna try to not react to every single um interview that that i see because it seems like there's gonna be a very long process and it's probably going to be closer to the draft by the time we have a coach
0: i think so too i'm gonna play devil's advocate i guess steve nash was my first basketball jersey i ever had value village seven dollars it was the orange and gray kit Ooh. uh i was super gassed on it i saw it i was a kid it was in the kids section i was like how often do you get a steve nash kids jersey i told my dad please. He said, put it back. We'll see if it's here tomorrow. Oh my God, the stress. I was sitting on pins and needles. I was like, I hope that jersey's there because otherwise I'm not getting a jersey. I, I did not get clothes that cost over like $22 when I was a kid until... I was buying my own clothes. I just, I did not get clothes. So he became the drip god himself. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, that's right. There's, you know, there's probably something there. You know, I was neglected of the nice clothing. So when I got, I was like, I got a dress. I got to show him. Anyway, went back the next day. Uh, The jersey was there. I've been a Steve Nash fan. Is it possible that he got a not really a fair shake? A lot was going on in the team that he was coaching. So much like the Kyrie stuff, obviously it would be hard for any coach to navigate that Jacques Vaughn did it for like three months yeah, and then it was like, okay, obviously, you know, Kyrie's going elsewhere. Not only that, but there's, there's like a bunch of mercurial characters around the, the Brooklyn nets. And I'm not here to say that Nash is necessarily a good coach, a great coach. I've, gone long talking about this topic before but it's hard to tell what a coach is doing but is it possible that the perception of Nash is worse than he actually is just because the team itself was in full-on like is on fire It's craziness I think
1: that I think that's pretty fair um considering everything that happened and immense pressure going into a at the time, probably like the best big three we probably ever thought was going to be assembled ever. And they end up winning nothing, which is still like, I'd probably say like a one percentile outcome that they didn't win a playoff. They,
0: it was crazy, man. Yeah. I can't believe it worked out the way that it did. Yeah.
1: Oh, they, they won one series. They beat Boston. That one's serious. But I think especially for the Raptors, they need some sort of experience because they're looking for like a culture change. Someone that's going to bring in an actual program and change everything that's happening in the organization so to to put that on someone who's also new or new ish and looking for experience i don't think he would be the right
0: person i think that's that was the appeal that was championed for steve nash was that he was coming in kai steve nash seems to have less ego about him i'm not saying this is true but this yeah. was kind of the messaging around it he has less ego about his position as a coach Kyrie gets to come out in media and say, well, he's not really a coach. And then KD can say, well, I liked Steve Nash's game. I wanted to learn from him. And it's just about, there's so much talent. You want to keep the vibes good and have another like elite offensive mind in the war room. That seems like the messaging. I can't speak to what actually happened. Very few people can. That seemed like the messaging. That does not seem like the messaging that is harmonious with what the Raptors need, which is kind of what you're pointing out. Um, Do you have anybody who you're like, I'd like them. Has anybody emerged? We're going to uh, do this every week. You know, you don't have to. You can tell me to screw off with this, but I'm going to keep asking. I, I'm, I'm, I'm David
1: Adelman Pelt, I, I would say. I, you, you see, obviously, we, we don't have the requisite shooting Denver has, but you see how beautiful their, their set design is. And although Jokic is probably, a, not probably, he's one or two in in the league, He's still more difficult to scheme an offense around just because he isn't the person bringing up the ball, and for them to have such beautiful play play design and work with everyone on the team. Scotty has similar skill set, so you would assume guys like Scotty Og who fit similar roles to players on Denver will succeed in like that offense. So that's what I would probably align with currently.
0: There's probably some wisdom in there. Is that if you, if you can make it work around Jokic, you can make not necessarily you can just make it work around Scotty, but there are pieces to take and repurpose there, and that's probably the the best thing. Um, the Raptors reportedly are interested in. I guess the the big names were that came out were like Jordi Fernandez, Sergio Scariolo, Steve Nash. JJ Redick, I guess, but they've been looking at a lot of different people. This coaching search is an odyssey, and uh, they have not yet found their Odysseus. Anyway, we're going to talk about draft prospects, unless you have anything else you'd like to add on to this.
1: Well, let's, let's do it.
0: Okay. Case and Wallace, I'm going to give everybody the stats because I made the mistake of reading the stats after we did our whole dissertation on – Kulavali and Sensibo. So here's Kaysen Wallace's shot making statistics. He played 32 games. He was a true freshman, 64% at the rim, which that's pretty great for college. Um, I think that would be categorized categorized as very good per synergy. He had 11 dunks this year. He shot 34.6 from three. He was 35% on unguarded looks. He was 34% on guarded looks. He was nine of 27 on pull-up threes. He was 35 of 85 on pull-up jumpers for 41%, and he was 16 of 46 on runners for 35%. He averaged 11.7 points, 3.7 rebounds, 4.3 assists, and two steals. He is championed mostly as a defense-first prospect. There are similarities in approach to how Scotty Barnes played at FSU, in my opinion. After all that, Trey... What what are the big, the flashbulb things about Kaysen's game? What stands out? Um, I would say
1: probably how s- instinctual he is defensively. He turns a lot of plays into transition opportunities just by his, first off, his length and his size at the position. Usually those guys that are very strong on the point of attack, very quick feet are like your Davion Mitchell types, um, Marcus Smart, Derek White, very small in stature, um, but Kasten is actually fairly large and fairly long. He's he's able to turn a lot of plays in, into those transition opportunities, and once he gets ahead of, ahead of steam, he's able to then score and finish. I think a, a big game that stands out is their game against Kansas, where he was wreaking havoc on a lot of the off-ball actions that Kansas was trying to do to get Grady Dick open. He was turning that into steals, and quick transition um, opportunities. So I would say, especially in terms of like what the Raptors are looking for, if they were to keep the exact same scheme, um, point of attack defense is something that they ex- lacked ex- extremely. You saw diminishing returns from Fred, Gary. Uh, I think people kind of finally caught up that he wasn't good at it <laughs> this season. And then obviously we know um, the struggles that Scotty had with it. Casson is someone that you could – confidently probably year one put on a very good defend a very good guard in this league and have some confidence that they're he's going to be able to play his assignment and funnel people in
0: if i if i said from what i watched i actually thought he was a much better off ball defender than all on ball defender what would you think
1: because of his instinctual ability i i would agree because i i will say one drawback from him is he is uh, a very long strided athlete, and a lot of those really quick guards gave him some trouble.
0: Uh, you're, you're, you're hitting on something. He's a, a drop and chase guy, right? Like he yeah. doesn't slide, uh, which leaves you susceptible, I think, to shot makers. Because when you're like, when you get, when they turn the corner, and the way you recover is like these long stride, full running chases back into it. I think you're reliant on those guys being all the way downhill or them trying to get downhill to playmake. But as far as like shot makers in the mid-range, people who are going to get that step, get him turning his hip to like react and get back into space, it's also ripe for a step back to create a bunch of space. And this is stuff that he'll have to create counters to as a defender in the NBA over time. But that that inclination to you know drop out of it and chase – is something that usually players, that will stick with you throughout your career. And so I think that's that's a different type, a different yeah. style of on-ball defense. It it's, can be just as effective provided you have the tools. But off-ball, he gambles a lot, yes. Yep. But he's kind of a genius at the nail. He, he's very, very effective. If you're coming from the wings and he's one pass away, he's so good at keeping that. You know, if you get the dig from the guy, maybe that one pass is there, maybe it's an open three, but he's so good at playing the middle and, you know, the dig downs, like getting a hand on the ball or two hands, and then if, you know, he can force pickups, he can get steals, as you said, get into transition, but he can also recover so quickly out to his check. And there's so many plays he made this year. Like he had the one game with eight steals, which was insane, but a lot of it is like reading momentum of offensive players, reading their eyes and knowing exactly when to jump a pass also taking advantage of when guys turn their back a very preternatural approach to off-ball defense and he's he's very toolsy in that regard um which i think is like on ball defense you can do a lot with the cerebral aspect of the game to catch up and play guys and use the scouting report to kind of protect yourself but if you're a cerebral long guy because Casey, I don't think is the burstiest, yeah. burstiest athlete, but there's a lot of smarts there, and there's a lot, like a lot of being able to read offenses. That he he's, he ex- impressed me like an extreme amount on the on the off ball stuff. I, I was kind of blown away, you know.
1: Yeah, I I see some of the like you're saying some of the similarities with Scotty in a sense where um, Kentucky asked him a lot to guard their their best their best um the opposing team's best player and uh a lot of like the rep and some of those things that happen um is he's guarding that person 90 feet and for the for the most part most people assume that that's really tight defense and a lot of those quicker quicker guards sometimes got the got the best of him but in a a system where he's um isn't the the sole reliant person that needs to funnel someone into into a big has to pick up a a guard um, ninety feet like in like what college teams ask you to do? He's gonna be able to blow up a lot of actions and gain minutes really early, similar to like someone like Caruso, for example, who wasn't the burstiest player. He wasn't um, as fast, but he was able to use his size, his strength and um, also his instinctual ability to blow up a lot of plays and be an off-ball defender who generates minutes um, really, really quickly. I also think, the, ironically, his probably his best fit offensively, as is an off-ball defender. I personally don't think he's a, a point guard, just simply because he he doesn't have the necessary bursts needed to operate in a, in a pick-and-roll sense to get the paint touches needed. And then also the passing feel, I I think would be best served in a tertiary role. I think once he gets ahead of steam, he can finish at the rim. He's shown that he can hit a hit a pull up jumper from mid range, which is a great counter and something that you need in the in the playoffs. But I I do see him offensively similar to what you're seeing guys like Max Strus, Caleb Martin doing a, attacking closeouts, having the ability to shoot, getting to the rim, and then having the ability to hit passes. As a tertiary player, then instead of giving him the ball and making him be that primary point guard, which is what he's asked to do in Kentucky,
0: I think we both of the guards we're looking at today, yep. neither neither really is going to be an, an, a high level initiator yep. at the next level, given their their struggles. Both are larger than your expected size for a point guard. Yep. Both were asked to carry large offensive loads. And both, I think, lack the typical burst that accompanies high-level point guards in the NBA. The thing is, Kason, I like I. He's also, I think, to go back to the defense. Just because yes. I really liked the defense a lot, it's that the switch from on-ball to off-ball has become so important. Raptors fans will understand this better than most. Is staying connected within scheme when you're switching, you know, roles within it. And Kaysen being able to switch onto bigs, being able to be like, if he gets beat downhill on a pick and roll, if his big man steps up to cut off the drive, he can seamlessly transition into like batting the lob away, right? Like he he Like he can go track the ball down there. He does a lot of stuff like that where the rotations are super crisp and on time that I'm left super impressed on that end. But again, the initiation on offense is like it leaves – it leaves a lot on, like there's meat on the bone, I guess I would say. Like yeah. He's not going to create a t- whole bunch of penetration while he's certainly a, I think both in the film and in the numbers, a demonstrably better shooter yeah. than Black is. He's also, like Black is one of the best passers in the draft, if not the best. Like he's, he's really, really talented. And so this is kind of the thing with these two guards is that it is the 13th pick. Yeah, both these guys I think are slotted to go top ten, um, but neither seems like a top five prospect uh, per what people are thinking, and that's because there are holes in their game yeah. and holes that really do affect guards. You you brought up Davion Mitchell. It's important to highlight that while he does like the defense rocks, it really does. He also the trajectory of, the trajectory of his career. Is not at the level that he would want or the Kings would want because yeah. his limitations offensively keep coming up and they yeah. keep being game plan against him. I'm curious what you think Kaysen will be able to overcome as far as because whether or not people think Caleb Martin, Max Struess are the guys that he'll be compared to, yeah. um, neither one of those guys was a lottery pick or even close to that, right? and while they play the game the right way, they're being used in a fantastic sense. They're playing great. If that was the role that was carved out for Kaysen and something he was given, not only would he want more, but fans would want more, everybody would would want more. So I'm curious what you think he can do or if you have any expectations for what it might be.
1: Um, I think he's gonna be be able to overcome some of his burst issues, just simply because he's shown that he has the processing skill to Know what how the defense is set, and manipulate them in in a way that he he gets a a clean pull up attempt, and he hits that at a pretty clean amount currently. So I think that's something that could be probably relied upon. And then also I think for him he needs to probably play for a very fast paced team. Once he once he gets a, a full head of steam, he's, he's a very quick player. I think is the initial burst issues are. Um, some of the some of the issues of where you would see him in a half court set, and you even see with some guys who have better better bursts like Suggs, uh, Davion Mitchell, for example, aren't able to get the rim touches that they necessarily want want to because of the the lack of shooting, and then also just playmaking feel. But I do think um, his ability to to shoot is going to allow him to. Get to the rim far more often than than those players are currently in their current like archetype within the league. So I, he's like a very scalable player. He's someone that you could slot in fairly easily into a, a lineup currently. I'll
0: I'll say I think that he'll shoot it at the NBA level. Yeah, the the numbers while not overwhelming, I think are fine. And on top of that, I mean the form is like especially from the catch and shoot stuff. Yeah, the form is pretty clean. It's just. There's there's not a ton going on. It's not perfect, but it's it's pretty simple. It's pretty fluid, and that means that makes for like a lot of room to grow at the NBA level. I think he's gonna shoot it. I think he'll be a pretty good catch and shoot player. And that defense, man, that he's really really impressive on that end. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if he was like he found his way on an all defense team sometime over his career. He's, he has such a good knack for it. The decision-making is really great. And he also, he makes decisions that couple well with his strengths. Some guys you see make decisions that kind of, they they create like this magnifying glass on their weaknesses. But yeah. I think he does a really good job of gambling where he knows he'll be in a good spot to recover if he fails and all that kind of stuff. So um, the shooting, I think, comes around. The creation, um, I'm not super high on. But if Kaysen fell to the Raptors at thirteen, and you know, the way we're discussing him, it's like, oh, he's not an initiator. If if at thirteen you get a guard who you could conceivably see making an all defense team and a guy who I expect from what I've seen and looking at the numbers, will shoot the ball. I like I expect like probably a thirty eight percent or more catch and shoot player at the nba level from behind the line when he you know a couple years into his career it'll be legit it'll be there i don't know about the pull-up creation if it'll be at the three-point level i think that it'll be there at the mid-range like that's that's a good player yep that's a that's a guy who fits on a bunch of teams Uh,
1: game player as him (laughs) would like to say
0: right and so that that just all sounds like gravy to me yep any final thoughts before we move on to anthony black
1: um, I think Kaysen's a, a really good player. I, I think he's probably what whoever whatever team that he goes to, you're probably gonna see um Jalen Rose. Actually, Jalen Rose actually might say he's gonna be an MVP. But um, like the comp that you're probably gonna see is like regular Drew Holiday, Alex Caruso, so on and so forth. And initially you're probably gonna be like, We lost all these games all this year for someone who like doesn't scale to stardom. He's one of those players where that's going, to, if he ends up on a good team, is going to be very invaluable just simply from the sense of high level defense and high level shooting is still like fairly rare. especially out of the guard spot, you usually get one or the other. So the fact that you're getting that from um, your lotto pick, it um, bodes well as your team is trying to scale. And you, someone you reliably could think like we have this starter pegged out for our, our run or our core that we're trying to build out.
0: i think he also now i don't know what designs like i i don't think the pistons grab him at five for example do mm-hmm. with their backcourt situation i don't know what it looks like six through 11 or 12 but i i imagine he goes before the raptors get up there to pick and while he doesn't have like that stardom allure that you want at the very top of the draft um, and i know there's always been like a fallacy about the the safe pick yeah that happens all the time everyone's like oh this guy's safe and then they end up being like they can't do it at the next level um i'm i haven't been doing draft stuff forever so i don't have this huge docket or a backlog of people i said were safe and were not that great Kaysen seems like a a very safe bet to be like a yeah. quite a good nba player and that's like i don't want to be down on the kid that's that's impressive like good players are good <laughs> big fan I think-
1: I think you could put him, what did the Wizards pick? I think eighth. You could put him on the Wizards. Trust that Bradley Beal is going to set the table. He's one of the better drivers in the league. And Kaysen is going to fill in a lot of the holes that he doesn't do um, defensively. And also playing off of him, he's going to hit a lot of shots, which is scalable. And the Wizards are trying to win next year, ideally. So that makes a lot of sense.
0: That's That's another thing about his size and his defensive acumen. And presumably by the end of his rookie contract, like, a quality catch and shoot option in the NBA. I don't know if it happens immediately. We'll see, but a guard like that really helps you as far as team building and lineup construction. Yeah, they can really simplify who you play at number three and who you play at number one because you that that's a guy who can start to cover up for other people's weaknesses. So um, great. I think he's I think he's an awesome player. I will watch his. Career with great interest, Emperor Palpatine meme. Okay, Anthony Black, how's that sound? Let's do it. Okay, Anthony Black, the Arkansas Razorbacks. The Hogs, as some Arkansas. people refer to them. <laughs> the the Hogs, as some people refer to them affectionately. Okay, so we'll give you the quick numbers. I actually have his defensive numbers per Synergy, by the way. Uh, I did not get those uh, for Case and Wallace, so my apologies. Anyways. Anthony Black, 12.8 points, 5.1 rebounds, 3.9 assists, two steals. In 36 games played, this is his shot making. 58% at the rim, given his size, fairly underwhelming. 23 dunks all year. A lot of these came as a cutter and in transition. 29.5% from three. 34% on unguarded looks. 21% on guarded. I think that speaks to how you know, jumbly his mechanics are and how everything can go out of whack if he's forced to shift feet, anything like that very quickly. 17 of 37 on his pull-up jumpers this year for 31%, 21 for 37 on runners and floaters this year at 36%, something he goes to quite often actually, and overall 19 of 40 on catch and shoot looks for 32%. Basically, all of his shot making is below average, not a great indicator. But as we talked about before, he's maybe the best passer in the draft, uh, you know, maybe scoots is better, but there's a lot of really high level reads from Anthony black defensively, per synergy, defending the pick and roll ball handler, easel, it's categorized as good per synergy. point seven five zero points per possession. Spot-up defense, very good, 0.767 points per possession. Isolation defense, good, 0.657 points per possession. Off-screens, very good, 0.750 points per possession. On handoffs, good, 0.800 points per possession. He is a very affecting defender. He's big at his position. He is, Cason Wallace and Anthony Black played each other, and Anthony Black got Cason Wallace on a dig that Kaysen gets a lot of guys on. Going to his left, Kaysen put the ball down. Anthony stepped in there, going the other way. He emulates a lot of the positives that Kaysen does defensively. I don't think it's at the same level, but he's also bigger. And offensively, his scoring, it seemed like, was the biggest hole in his game. Not able to finish at an elite rate despite having – in college a massive size advantage at the guard position um very little burst if you even if you go to his highlights you're not really going to see isolation bucket getting he needs a screen to shed defenders he has pretty good pace to keep the you know the the drop engaged to open up passes he is an incredible passer as far as it goes playmaking guys into layups Ben Pfeiffer did a really fun video where he like pauses and describes which passes might be made. And you try and guess along to see what passes Anthony black will make on a possession. And almost always, um, they will like intrigue and astound you. He is really great at reading rotation. He's a super high level passer, both as an initiator, if he can get the defense tilted sometimes even without it being tilted, can play guys into great looks and as a connector, I think that there's going to be poor man's Lamelo Ball as far as his process, like how he's so good at processing the floor, yep. making reads as a connector, and when he's downhill in transition, always making optimum reads, but an inability to just like beat guys off the bounce. Yep. He also doesn't have the shooting that uh, Lamelo has. I'll leave it there. Um, your thoughts? Um.
1: I think if you like the Dyson Daniels pick uh last year you you'll, you'll see the you'll see the vision with um Anthony Black what you're getting is high level defense um I probably would be more bullish on um Kaysen probably being on the ball than him just simply um just due to lack of quickness but he is a very good chaser off 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 the ball he's able to use his size and length to chase guys off of possessions um i i mentioned in previous i mentioned similar game but um in in march madness for example they decided to put him on grady dick to to deny him the ball and force jalen wilson and other guys on the team to start initiating and trying to score on arkansas anthony black erased him from the game just simply because they're, in college there's not that many guys who, who are six seven that long and are able to keep up at a at a decent rate with their athleticism. So you would put him in a similar role in the NBA where he's chasing guys off of the ball and he's he's smart enough to a, to a point where if he gets a switch he'll he'll be fine in those possessions and and survive end of, end of shot clock situations against the quicker guards in the league. And then also while he he I don't think the shooting ever comes along personally just just because of the mechanics he currently has. But, it's clunky. Yeah, it's very conky. It's, a lot's going on at the same time. But the the level of passing that he has from a connective standpoint is very high level. And you see it for a, a, with a lot of players that, although like Carl Anderson's a, a great example, while in the beginning of his career he couldn't really shoot it off, he was still in half-court scenarios just simply because he's one of the few players that helped create easy buckets in in the half court for other players. And also with with Anthony, he still will have the size to be much larger than whoever is guarding him usually. And so I think he's still going to be able to get to a rim to the rim at a fairly decent level and the the finishing comes around. So I I think he's going to be viable in the half court in a half court scenario. He's a very smart cutter as well where I think he's probably closer to a three or a four than he is to a, a point guard. And I would use him similarly, at least initially, to like what slow mo does um, a lot offensively and try to scale from there. And if he earns minutes that way, that's great. And then initially, and then obviously you hope that scales further and the shot comes along. And if just like slow mo, you become a decent catch and shoot shooter, you're invaluable to a team. Like I think Memphis missed him significantly in in their offense and you saw that in the playoffs
0: i think it's important for you know anthony once he gets to the nba to compel a coach to make use of his unique skill set because it's you always have to make sure you don't get left behind kyle anderson for example when he played with the grizzlies and jv was there they had a pet play a post-entry play for jv that hinged on kyle anderson's height at his position or like his ability to pass and maintain pace. Um, Caitlin Cooper actually wrote about it. Um, But yeah, like years ago. And that was a specific wrinkle that was enabled for them because of Kyle Anderson's presence on the roster. Anthony Black, given his size and his passing ability is going to, If you have a coach who's going to, you know, kind of lean into that, you're going to have a, you're going to be chock full of different looks that you're able to provide. And there's going to be guys who get shots out of sets that they didn't expect to get. You're going to get some more layups that you didn't expect to get, all this kind of stuff. But you do have to build certain sets around a guy who isn't as traditionally talented offensively as other players. And then so it's about, okay, how does Anthony apply this at the NBA level and make teams respect him? That's where I think the runner slash floater game has to be good. Like you really, and he has to get more comfortable in the middle of the court, jump stopping, swiveling, push shots, all that kind of stuff, because he'll be able to play make comfortably at his size from that spot on the court. And I think that makes a lot of sense as a progression. He has such good feel for the game and a great sense of where defenders are, where his guys are in relation to that. Um, I'd expect that as a more natural progression than any level of like pull up three to kind of change teams from going under, shooting the gap on any of his screening actions. It's that you don't want to go under on his screening actions because you're going to allow a rescreen where he swivels into that, you know, 18 to 12 foot area and can start like operating from the middle of the floor. That's the fear with Kyle Anderson as well. That's the fear with Markel Fultz, for example, is you don't want to give that cushion by going under a screen because they'll take that cushion to set up the next screen and you can't keep going under because eventually they'll get to a spot where they're comfortable. If you don't have the runner, if you don't have the jump, stop, swivel, bump game, then they can go under the screen and you're eventually just going to run into a two-on-two mess in the paint. And nobody, like you're not, that's bad offense. If he develops that out, I think that like he'll be a viable, um, maybe not like full-on initiator, but a guy who can take quite a few possessions, help you run offense. Maybe even a guy who helps you weaponize players and skill sets that you didn't think you'd be able to. And, And I certainly a guy who, if you have a run and jump big man, is going to be able to find them yep. some of the you know ben uh, one of the clips he picked was that anthony gets downhill and you can still see his big is getting that tag like a brush mm-hmm. and he hasn't cleared the tag or the brush there's a guy chest to chest and anthony just throws the lob anyway because he's reading the momentum of the two players and he's saying, even though that tag's there, I think my guy's going to come through it because I'm reading that defender specifically, and I also know where the drop defender is in relation to me. He throws a lob and the other guy's on the end of it. He does that quite a few times where he has such a good sense of not only where players are, but which way they're leaning. And that seems kind of easy when you watch it back in slow motion. Put yourself in those shoes. You put a lot of NBA player and NBA decision make- makers in those shoes it's tough to read a lean you know it's not always something everyone can do he can do it and uh as far as like raptors fans you've seen a few passers and playmakers come through that read leans and there's a lot of extra value to be taken from that all this being said i think he's a uh, not a great fit with the raptors to be honest and this is this is kind of the thing right is the Pelicans, they get to have Dyson Daniels and be the cool team because they have, like, shooting, yeah. right? That Maybe it's not Ingram who's the shooter, but they had CJ McCollum. They have, like, Trey Murphy who can provide an insane amount of length and shoot the ball, and it's they have these big depositories of just shooting, 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 shooting. And, you know, the Grizzlies were like that too. You know, if you have so much shooting in these certain areas of the court, then you can get a little bit more frisky in other places. The Raptors, like... Pascal Siakam is the frisky player he became an all NBA player obviously but he was the frisky guy who had the intriguing skill set yeah Scotty is the frisky intriguing skill set guy Jakob Purtle, even at the center position is like an intriguing skill set guy you can't run on that just no. all the time and that's what makes you know both Case and Anthony maybe a little bit clunky fits even if just based on talent they're like they deserve to be drafted above where the Raptors will be picking, you know? yeah,
1: I, I agree. I think the with Anthony at least, it, I think where he would pick where he's picked is a lot of probably where he you view him positionally. If you view him as a, a forward who's going to be a, a, a lockdown defender who's going to be able to chase a lot of wings, who has the size and hopefully improves his frame? I could see him for example getting picked by by the Pacers. He he'd fit a lot of a lot of the the needs that they have and he would also add uh,
0: that's like, no that's a really I just thought about like healed Matherin, Hal Burton, I was like damn, he actually fits really nice in there. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh me. <my God. laughs>
1: <laughs> but but as as a wing that makes a lot of sense. In in the fact that he fits a lot of defensively of what they do, and then also with all the play finishes that they have, his connectivity just adds a second layer for in situations if you're going to send a hard trap towards Tyrese Halliburton, he's gonna then turn that advantage into a very easy play for Ben Matherin, Miles Turner, Aaron Neesmith, and they just become even more lethal on offense while also getting better on better on defense. So. I think a lot of it depends on the team that he's picked. If you are, if he gets picked by Orlando and they're expecting to be their point guard, I think he's gonna have the exact same struggles that Jalen Suggs had initially. So, like, um, Damn, I think with Pacers. both of these two, I, I would... Pacers
0: is so slick, man. I just just thinking of that, yeah, that's a real nice fit.
1: Yeah, I, wow. I think it, would, it improved them a lot, and he would be able to play with them like from day one. But the Raptors. Please do not, please <laughs> it's like if bleeding. you,
0: yeah, if he was at thirteen i I also wonder if you get a lot of guys trying to trade up, then, yeah, you know that's like I, I wonder if if Anthony's available at thirteen, if you do get Brooklyn saying that guy could fit really well with like Claxton bridges, et cetera, yeah. um, although man, Ben Simmons, jeez, what a career, Oof.
1: that's rough. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people in that range. Like I go see the Lakers even at 17, asking well, they have nothing that really, we really want.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> don't tell that to Lakers fans. They got everything everybody wants all the time.
1: <laughs> well, um, like, teams within that range would make a lot of sense because he could on a decent team, like he could get minutes right away if you have the requisite shooting.
0: Yeah, he's interesting, and we see that happen all the time, right? That's what happened with now, obviously Herb. Isn't you know Anthony is not a facsimile of Herb Jones, but there's a lot of players who can fit quickly onto the you know the good teams, even if they don't necessarily have a jumper. If they put like if they make really great reads, because there's already spacing like good teams typically have decent amount of spacing, and it's just like well if you can play in that space, even if you're not the one providing it necessarily, you're gonna get minutes, and if you're not getting killed on defense, which it's way easier for big guards not to get killed on defense. Everybody kind of knows that. Um, yeah. He's a super interesting, but I, I think he goes top ten anyway. Yeah. But I man, I don't really know. Who who do you think falls in this draft, by the way?
1: Oh, it's tough. I, I could see I, well, I honestly feel like it's going to be one of those one of these two where like the safe pick fall usually falls a bit lower just because it's harder to sell. Uh, sell people on, this guy's going to be a great rotation player for the seven years we have him under under contract. Like you saw a guy like Trey Murphy, who's like ideal 3 and D player fall a bit bit later than most people expected, just simply because there wasn't necessarily upside. I think that the grouping of him, these two, and Grady Dick, one of these will fall just because teams might not see the
0: necessary upside. I wonder about a Thompson twin. That's, and not Amen, probably. Yeah, it's probably a Sardar like, yeah. Like, I could see him, like, I I could see that happening.
1: Yeah, but, I, I'm a personal fan. I, I, I watched those European games, and I saw them cook grown men.
0: That's, I, I like both of them a lot. Yeah. But I also, he seems like he has the skill set that could be, that could slip a little bit. Especially since, well, it's probably an either or, right? Because yeah. this, like, we're looking at, you know, between him, Kaysen, Anthony is just a bunch of guys who are like, man, if that jumper came along, you know, wouldn't that be something? And yeah, I guess it's like, there has to be one of those guys, that collection of teams has to be like, no, we're not going to be the team who drafts the guy who can't shoot. Like, and there's going to be three or four teams in a row that say, no, we're not going to be that team. And then there's going to be one team between like, I don't know, 11 and 15 that says, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, but I guess I, we'll see. Draft time will come around. It'll happen, and then we'll say, hey, it happened, um, but this is this is the deepest foray I've gone into draft stuff in my entire time covering NBA stuff, and there's always so much to learn. Like that's, that's one thing I'll yeah. say. I should have said at the start, I'm not an expert at this. I'm just kind of kicking the can at it, seeing how it goes, but um, any other thoughts on Anthony before we kind of get out of here? Mm.
1: I would I would say um if he were to fall like not the raptors but in if he does fall in the draft like if I was a good team I would tr- I would trade up for him just simply because I believe the defense and the passing will pop probably year 1 and he's going to win you minutes if he's utilized correctly.
0: He's impressive. Both yeah. these guys were impressive. Yep. I liked I liked a lot of what I was watching. It's just I watched teams go under, and I watched and thought, you know, although Anthony is probably one of those guys, especially he's a lot quicker on the draw of a closeout than Kaysen is. He's so quick to put the ball down and punch a gap despite not – like the decision-making makes up for the lack of burst and and his length too. You see it on a lot of his transition finishes where it's, you know, the C hasn't parted to the rim yet, but he just like – Puts the one dribble down, takes two big steps, and finds himself there. Um Cason is usually finishing at the side of the rim. Anthony has a lot at the front of the rim, which yep. is m- meaningful to me a little bit. But I-, I wonder if the bigger floor, I don't know, but he's got to shoot it. Guys are probably not going to be that eager to step out on him. We'll see. Um These guys are both interesting. I liked watching, catching up on their film a lot. Um I have Josh Codinera who has been on this podcast a few times before. We're talking about Scoot, Miller, Sissoko, the Ignite boys. I will have Ben Pfeiffer on here to talk about. Let me see. Let me pull it up. Um, I think Jet Howard. I think Keontae George. And I think Nick Smith. Um. Yeah, and Darik as well. So lots of stuff coming up. Trey and I are going to be taking a break next week. He's He's got plans. He told me to you know make something happen in the meantime, and that's going to be the the Raptors list episode. Um, the next thing you see from Trey and I is probably our vlog at the water park, uh, something like that. <laughs> lazy River. Damn. Jeez. I haven't been in a lazy river in a long time, man. I haven't nice. been. I haven't been in a hot tub in a long time. I'm dying for a hot tub, dude. But yeah, it's been a couple of years, at least for me.
1: I feel like I I look I look out of place in the lazy river though. But it's like, like a big a large human amongst these little children just just floating.
0: Isn't isn't the lazy river kinda like the isn't that where the large humans go? Because the kids are on like the big rides or whatever. I haven't I haven't been
1: to a water park also in a long time.
0: The last time I went to a water park, I think I was twenty. It was an absolute blast. But back to the hot tub thing. So there's like the Wellesley Community Center. Yeah, I was looking it up when my brother was here because I love swimming. My brother loves swimming. Oleg loves swimming. And I was like, man, we should go swimming. And so I found this place, Wellesley Community Center, that was like, okay, it's got swimming. It's got a hot tub. Don't. Kid yourself, I was in it for the hot tub. Like, more than anything, like, we had some fun. We we did some water polo-esque activities. I wanted that hot tub bad. Here's the scam. On the open swim day, that's when they closed the hot tub oh. for maintenance. Classism, bro. I'm looking at it in its face. No, that's brutal. You you still got to teach me how to swim. We, we've discussed this. That's a piece of cake, man. I could teach anybody. I'm <laughs> looking for th- it. It's my gift to you this is your payment <laughs> 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 oh, that this is like a 1977 buddy movie where the white guy teaches the black guy to swim for like what I god man I well, don't even know well, well the
1: last time I, I went on vacation they, uh, me and my girlfriend we did an excursion in uh what do they call it, like a lagoon a cave or whatever and they're like can you guys swim? I'm like bet <laughs> I had too much pride. So we go into the thing, I'm like, I was telling her I know how to float. Literally within two minutes, I was like, doing okay. And then he was like, So let's now let's move over to the other end. And then I look, and it's like maybe like 30 feet down the way. And I'm like, I can't do this. I need a life jacket. And literally I was he I was on his back literally for 10 minutes. Pride gone.
0: Damn. I'll get you a life jacket. I'll take care of you, bro. You'll you'll be in good hands. Uh Anything you want to say before we get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> um
1: I I will say uh really looking looking forward to talking about more prospects. This is one of my favorite times of the year. And um let's hope the next time we hear about a coaching situation, it's someone who's coach who's coached like winning basketball.
0: That would be cool. Um we inch closer to the potential pull up Trey Vegas episode, by the way, so, that'd be something. I know. It'd be cool. That'd be pretty fun. And they'd have drafted somebody and presumably hired a coach by then.
1: We would have probably seen the, that draft could play.
0: Yeah. I know. It would be fun. Anyway, listeners, um, feel free to e-transfer us to fund the trade. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 so yeah. Thanks for tuning in with us. It's always nice to have an audience for our conversations, and um, everybody has been big fans and super supportive of the Pulp Trey podcast. We have more coming, despite next week's hiatus, Um, but you'll have uh, another podcast instead. Okay, Uh, Trey, thanks for hopping on with me. Listener, thanks for listening to us, and whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day, and goodbye. (laughs) You got a podcast. Yes, sir. Hell yeah. Shim got the